welcome everyone. You are listening to the Bleeding Big Blue Podcast on June 23rd, 2020. Alex Ivers approached back again. So we got a couple things to talk about today. We're going to talk about the poll numbers regarding Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley for top five New York Giants heading into 2020. The impact of a possible Jamal Adams in the NFC East. What the Giants could need for 2021 position-wise. And also, why I necessarily stopped watching the Pro Bowl and stopped caring for it. So... In the latest poll, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley competing in the semifinal to versus Daniel Jones in the finals of the top five New York Giants going into 2020, Saquon Barkley has 15 votes, Sterling Shepard has none. I mean, seems obvious to Giants fans that Saquon Barkley is the more important one. Personally, I would vote Saquon Barkley, but with counting votes, Sterling Shepard would probably be third place or fourth place depending on who Daniel Jones was versing, I think it was Evan Ingram, if he got more votes than Sterling Shepard or not. So I think Ingram got more votes than him, so most likely he'll be fourth place, however the standings end up. But of course the poll is not final for another couple of hours, I think it's like 17 hours left on Twitter. Instagram, it's already done. They had total between my Giants current account and my Bleeding Big Blue account. I think it was like nine votes combined, but... Still got 17 hours or so to vote on the poll. It is 8.50 right now, so do the math. You can still go out and vote for Saquon or for Sterling Shepard. But right now, it looks as if Saquon Barkley is going to go into the finals versus Daniel Jones, which is really what I expected in a way. Because Saquon is expected to have a bright season, and Daniel Jones is expected to have a bright season as well. You know, the top two New York Giants going into the season, but... Obviously, we're doing a top five, but right now, that's competing for the spot. So, first, Daniel Jones, and of course, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley will compete for the first spot on the brackets. And of course, I'll come out with a graphic on that one. I originally was going to pre-record this episode, but like, you know what? I'm coming back from Pennsylvania on Tuesday, and it doesn't really make any sense to do a pre-recorded episode like five days in advance because you don't know what's going to happen with life and New York Giants news you don't know what's going to happen so why would you pre-record an episode five days in advance when you're coming back from Pennsylvania or wherever on the day that your podcast is scheduled to be released so I decided to do this one natural because I care about you guys and thank you guys for the support obviously I have a big announcement that should be coming within the next three days possibly it's about something that's supposed to go on next week possibly a combined podcast but I'll let you guys know But also before we get to the next subject, story came out today that possibly DeAndre Baker is innocent. I mean, obviously the trial and whatever is supposed to be held, but for right now, two people came out today and said DeAndre Baker never pulled out a gun at the scene at the barbecue in May. So it's an advancement and it's really a positive note for this franchise when it comes to culture and especially for the fact that he was, you know obtained on suspended license and also drunk driving at like 8.25 in the morning. What was it, last week or something of the week? I think it was last week, so. It's very positive, especially for the fact, again, you're building a culture. The reasons why I never did a replacement video on DeAndre Baker, but I did one on Aldrich Rosas, was because DeAndre Baker, you could replace him with the young corner in the secondary. The Giants are not necessarily going out and spending on a veteran corner like Logan Ryan, because Ryan's close to his 30s, if he isn't already, 
And the Giants have a filled secondary with young corners. You got Corey Ballantyne, you got Sam Beal, you got Julian Love. Maybe you could place a corner too if Xavier McKinney is your free safety. But I don't think that the Giants would replace DeAndre Baker with a veteran like you would Rosas or maybe a young guy. But you don't have any other kickers on the roster. And for Rosas, there's not a story that's on his side. He was drunk driving and he rammed a vehicle and he had a suspended license. So it's going to be interesting. The Giants will try to see the facts and try to play it out. But everyone's going to cry, oh, Dave Gettleman. Oh, now we're starting to act like Josh Brown situation all over again. But Joe Judge is going to try to see the facts and play it out. Again, there's not a story that's on his side. And when people were complaining last year about this whole Janoris Jenkins, oh, he's getting cut, you know, Josh Brown. You know, Jerry Reese was the general manager when that happened. Ben McAdoo was the head coach. Two different regimes now. So I don't know why people were trying to make excuses for Janoris Jenkins. Like, listen, what he did was wrong. Okay, everyone knows that. And the Giants really shouldn't have stuck by Josh Brown with this whole domestic violence issue. Or they were trying to see the facts out and see what happened. But again, why were people trying to associate Dave Gettleman and Jerry Reese? Meanwhile, Jerry Reese waited for the facts. And Dave Gettleman, two days later or a day later, said, Janoris Jenkins is off our team. So... I don't know why people associated with that last year. Again, Giant fans will be Giant fans, and they were just upset that they lost their first best corner. Now, I'm not going to say he was premier Pro Bowl player. Yeah, he was once 2016, and he, he was solid. Let's be honest. Jenkins was the best corner of the secondary. Everyone knows that. And they were just mad because he tweeted something like that, and Dave Gettleman didn't tolerate it, and... They also had a crappy secondary because the coaches couldn't do anything right. So they said, okay, let's blame this on Dave Gettleman because the Josh Brown situation. So people didn't think about that. And it's upsetting because Dave Gettleman gets more hate than he really should. I have disagreed with a lot of Davies moves. Alec Ogletree move. Obviously, Nate Solder move coming out now. I agreed with it at the time because I thought it was, okay, you know, left tackle. And he's going to be good for our team. And now everybody is blaming Dave Gettleman and wants his head cut off. And they want his head to roll because the Giants aren't getting it done. Meanwhile, the Maras brought in Pat Shermer to help this young team, even if it was win-now situation or not. And Pat Shermer chose his staff, not Dave Gettleman. Pat Shermer chose his staff. Okay, James Batch's defensive coordinator, Hal Hunter's offensive line. It was a circus. And to blame Dave Gettleman for all of that? is really not the best. Now, Gettleman was taking part in the Shermer hire, but he couldn't have done it with without the consent of the Maras. So people just have to think, and then if Dave Gettleman gets fired, and you have a new GM who starts taking down everything, it's like, okay, I don't want Dave Gettleman's players, so I'm going to trade them, I'm going to release them, I'm going to do whatever. When he starts stripping down, if the Giants or John Mara tells him to do that, then we're going to have another sucky team for the next five years. And it's not going to be the fans' fault, but the fans should have said, okay, you know, I'll stick with what I have. So people will need to realize that. Now on to the next subject. Possibility of Jamal Adams in the NFC East. Now, there's been rumors, there's been talks about Jamal Adams wanting a trade to his hometown team, the Dallas Cowboys. And he's not getting paid by the Jets anytime soon because his contract don't expire for the next two years, I'm going to say. If I'm doing my research correctly. But he wants a trade. 
and the Eagles and the Cowboys are interested. Let's say the Jets make that move. And everybody says, okay, now the Jets have all the cards. Right, but you're losing a star-free safety that's probably a trademark for this franchise, meaning the Jets. And other than Sam Darnold and maybe Le'Veon Bell at this point, nobody's going to show up to your games. For those two players, other than that... Nobody's going to want to go to a Jets game unless you're a away team because they won't know who the other players on the field are besides Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell. That's really the core of the New York Jets and Jamal Adams too. But going back to the point, you're still losing a star strong safety and he's a playmaker. Now everyone says, okay, he's not a difference-making position. Okay, you can make that argument. He's a box safety. He makes a lot of plays. He gets sacks, but also... Everybody's saying pay the man and his contract does not expire for the next two years, I think. So some people need to calm their horses, but that's not totally what I want to talk about. Let's just say he comes to the NFC East, specifically the Cowboys, the Eagles, right? Most likely the Cowboys, but will Jerry Jones take on that type of contract or bid at that point because Dak wants to get extended and Jamal Adams wants to get extended, but he's also meaning Jamal Adams is okay with getting traded to a place who's not going to extend him right away. But that's a different and separate subject. Now, let's say it goes to the Cowboys. Depending on their defensive scheme, now, I'm going to talk about something, and that's why Saquon Barkley didn't do as good as everyone perfected last year. Obviously, injuries, and Saquon Barkley took a little bit to get back to himself. Take a look at the Bucks game right before, or at least the snaps before Saquon got injured, right? NFL teams started to figure out Saquon Barkley. They put many more guys in the box, and with an average offensive line that the Giants had, I'm not going to say he was terrible, I'm not going to say he was horrible, I'm not going to say he was great either, but they had an average offensive line, I would say, and with an average offensive line, and you have the linebackers and defensive ends and defensive tackles of the Buccaneers, and you're filling seven, eight, nine people at best in the box, you're going to have some trouble on your hands, even if you get tight end protection or maybe something else. But when you look last year, and I'm talking the Jets game, of course, maybe it took a little bit for Saquon Barkley to come back and be himself again. I'm pretty sure that was the week after the Cowboys game. The Jets are probably the 11th best defense or something like that. They have a good defense, they just don't have a lot of trademark names other than Jamal Adams. At least that's what I could tell you from an outsider standpoint. So, look at last year. One rushing yard against the New York Jets. You could claim injury, you could claim the fact that, oh, Eric Smith was the left tackle for most of the game, Nick Gates was the right tackle, Spencer Pulley was the center. Okay, make that argument. I'm not going to stop you. But... He couldn't get more than one yard on like 13 rushes. And they had to stick to the passing game for most of the game. That's... That ain't good. And at that point, Pat Shermer needed to change his style and his offense. And Mike Shula as well. I mean, Mike Shula is more involved with the quarterbacks. And Shermer was more involved in creating the offense. And also play calling as well. I mean, you saw last year against the Vikings. Now, this is different running back, obviously, and the Giants offensive line had a horrible game against the Vikings, week five, and Jonathan Hilleman was the running back, and they had many guys in the box, obviously, when 
Jabril Peppers had that forced fumble on Dalvin Cook. The Giants were trapped inside their one. They did get the ball, though. So they got the ball, and they ran it, and Anthony Barr trapped them inside for a safety because everybody knew, okay, they're going to run it. So you have to make the offense disguised in a way. And you can't keep running the same plays, and you have to give different looks as far as the offense goes. And when you're just running shotgun, it's not going to make any sense. But it got worse to the point where NFL defenses started figuring out Saquon Barkley and putting more guys in the box and stopping him that way. Insert Jamal Adams in the NFC East. You're going to have a tough time. Listen, the offensive line is rebuilding. We know that you have three... Great defensive lines. The Giants, not one of them yet. I mean, you got defensive tackles, you got defensive ends, really defensive interiors for the Giants, but you don't have an established group of pass rushers like maybe Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, those guys. They're not proven, and they're not number one overall picks, and they're not first-round picks, but they're sort of in the developmental stage. But when I'm talking about the Giants' offensive line, they're rebuilding. And when you have a great defensive line, and then you also have this box safety, Jamal Adams, who makes plays, the tight end blocking is going to have to get better. I mean, the offensive line's already rebuilding. You're probably going to see Spencer Pulleyan at center or whoever, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, however you want to put it, Matt Peart, maybe we'll get some time in there. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, possibly. But going back on the bases, Jamal Adams... You're going to see a lot more of box stuff, especially if the Giants are a very run-first offense with Jason Garrett. And I think Jason Garrett could possibly come out of this with the idea of disguising offenses or however he does it. I think he's smart enough to put it where he's going to figure out how to plan around Jamal Adams and the bigger defensive lines. But for the tight end blocking, that's going to need to be better. Levine Toilolo, he was brought in this offseason to kind of replace Rhett Ellison. Caden Smith and Evan Ingram's blocking is going to need to be better. Pass protection or run block protection. Because when you've got Jamal Adams and when you got the defensive lines of the NFC East other than the Giants, you're in for a absolute circus blowout unless you figure that out quickly. So the Giants need to prepare if he gets traded or not. And hopefully the Giants have a good running game this season and their protection improves. But nonetheless, prepare for a Jamal Adams arrival in the NFC East. So my next topic is about possible Giant needs 2021 free agents, 2021 draft class. But first, want to listen to a Giants podcast during quarantine and after? With opinions based on evidence and favorable predictions? Real information? Well, you're at the right place, everyone. Listen to our podcast, the Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Giants info and takes every Tuesday and Thursday. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, which features podcast episodes, Madden streams, and short videos based on takes and film done by Rohan Sagani. Our podcast is hosted on Podbean, but available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Follow our Instagram and Twitter pages for daily updates and fan interactions. So, every team, including the Chiefs, Ravens, and 49ers have needs every single year. And the Giants need to get their needs right and their picks right, whether it be draft picks or free agent signings. Those need to go right in order for this rebuild to work and the Giants to become a success team in the future. Now, here are some of my 
predictions for needs for the Giants next year, 2021. Wide receiver one. Why wide receiver one, you ask? Golden Tate is in his 30s, and he's on the second year of his contract. Most likely, I don't see the Giants having him live out his contract, and I think he gets cut this offseason or next offseason, whatever it may be. But the Giants can't have a winning situation and a young team with a 30-something-year-old wide receiver, one who could be coming out of his prime sometime soon. He's not as good as he used to be, but he's still usable and he's still durable. But he's not in his prime, and I think the Giants should go after wide receiver one, and I think they will need it because, again, young team, Daniel Jones needs to progress, and with Shepard and Slayton, they're still young, but they right now are not necessarily your number one receivers. That's why, in my opinion, they go out in the 2021 draft and select Jamar Chase out of LSU. But if they want to stay free agency on that one, you're really looking for Allen Robinson or Sammy Watkins. Now, A.J. Green is the number one, but he's going to be 31 to 32 at that time. So you're not really looking forward to that. Why would you get rid of Golden Tate in that situation to get A.J. Green? I mean, A.J. Green is a better wide receiver. Everyone knows that. And he's still somewhat in his prime, though he's injury prone. But why in a rebuild when you're trying to develop your rookie quarterback are you still having 30-year-old players on your team? I'm not saying you can't have one or two. Kevin Zeitler, he's still in his prime. He's still an average guard or a solid guard for his career, and he has always been that way. He's still that way. He still could play that way. If he gets injured this season or maybe comes out of his prime, you put Shane Lemieux or Nick Gates in there. That's, you know, what it's for the future. But I think Golden Tate's last good year is this year, and they cut him, and then they bring in a wide receiver one. The next one would be kicker. Unless Algic Rosas has a phenomenal season and another Pro Bowl season, I don't see him being a long-term kicking option. Now, every kicker has their ups and downs. Lawrence Tynes had his ups and downs. Josh Brown had his ups and downs. Everyone has them. But 2-1 to one here when it comes to bad seasons to good. 2017-2019 compared to 2018. The Giants had a significantly better offense in most cases in 2018 in the second half, and Alger Rosas reached a Pro Bowl, right? But also 2017 and 2019, the offenses were really dry. Really 2017, because they couldn't get crap down the field, especially when you had wide receivers as decoys and practice squad guys, and Evan Ingram was number one. And then 2019, you didn't know who was going to be on the field with Slayton, Barkley, Ingram, Tate. And my point about the offense is you get more opportunities for kicks if you have a good offense. And everybody says that. Everybody links that. They're right on that. So if Aldrich Rosas does not improve from last year and maybe the offense is good or not, or they still have faith in him, they'll try to keep him. But if the offense is good and he's missing kicks like he did last year, 2017, and you have a good long snapper, you got a good holder in Riley Dixon, they're going to be looking for a long-term option. So you could probably either pick up an undrafted kicker, but you could also have some kicking options in free agency, which probably they would go the route of 
either Zane Gonzalez, Daniel Carlson, or Michael Badgley. Now, obviously, for all these free agents, it's pending an extension. I don't know all the contracts, and this is goes for all needs as well. So, what I'm saying right now, it's pending if that if that player gets an extension from their team that they're with this year. So, the Giants will probably need some assistance at pass rusher. Whether Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez have a monster season, or whether the pass rush just completely sucks, you're going to need probably one or two free agents or pass rushers in the draft. Now, if you're looking at outside linebacker or defensive end, you're looking at Yannick Ngakwe, Joey Bosa, Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, Shaq Barrett, and Jordan Jenkins. Now, for Yannick Ngakwe, he wants to get traded, and he still wants to get traded right now. That hasn't been much of a topic, but he's probably going to get traded if he pushes the Jaguars to their last nerve and they say, okay, I'm done with the complaining, you're going to get traded. They could get good value for him too. Joey Bosa, he's not really, in my mind, going to be a free agent in 2021. I think they'll try to extend him, but I'm going off a spot track right now, so these players might already have extensions in mind, but I just read up on the fact that Joey Bosa... Had his fifth-year option accepted, so... And that doesn't mean they signed him to extension. So, he, right now, is probably still on the table for 2021. But, we'll see what happens. And his fifth-year option being for 2020. So, he will be a free agent in 2021, pending an extension, of course. Bud Dupree, they have a franchise tag on him. So, it's going to be just for this year. I don't think he's a long-term option. In Pittsburgh, I would have to talk to Pittsburgh fans, but they're really more focused on T.J. Watt right now. Leonard Floyd, I think he's with the Rams now. He's more of a rotational guy, but we'll see how they use him in Los Angeles. And I am correct, he was signed to a one-year contract. Shaq Barrett, franchise tag. Most likely, I think Bruce Arians loves him, and especially with the crew they have down there, offense and defense, I think Barrett's going to stay down there. Maybe for the rest of his career if he's happy. Jordan Jenkins, he's not your big sack guy. Signed a one-year contract with the Jets in April or March, I believe. So he's not probably the long-term option unless he gets a mega sack season. And he was never that mega sack guy, but he's a good rotational guy to have. Maybe like a Kyler Fackrell if he fits the scheme. So that's another possible option if you're looking at the draft. You could probably look at... Greg Rosso from Miami. And if you're just looking at the linebacker position in general, inside-outside, Micah Parsons from Penn State and Dylan Moses from Alabama, I have to do research and film on them. So I will take further research on those two guys. But those are some 2021 needs that I could predict for right now for the Giants to have in the future, really 2021. And the Greg Rosso option... Really, that's if the pass rush is really, really stale and they're really concerned about it, whether it's the pass rush not getting to the quarterback or if they need a more speed guy to get to the quarterback because the secondary can't cover for long enough. So those are my picks for needs possibly coming in 2021. So the last thing I want to talk about is the Pro Bowl. And a guy on Twitter, I think he's a Giants, he's a Giants fan, and he talked about... Xavier Rhodes. He said Xavier Rhodes put up these subpar stats last season, still went to the Pro Bowl. 
So two things that piss me off about the Pro Bowl, really. Number one, it deals with Xavier Rhodes. You get in with popularity. That's a given. Fan vote, especially, will give that away. Xavier Rhodes made the Pro Bowl in 2019, 2020 Pro Bowl in February, of course. Now, you will have players like career snubs, as I call them. Players like Kevin Zeitler and Damon Snacks Harrison who have never made the Pro Bowl but have been solid throughout their career. Kevin Zeitler played for the Bengals on a couple of playoff teams but they obviously didn't get to the Super Bowl and they didn't win a playoff game. Then you got the Browns he played on, the 0-16 Browns and then the Baker Browns the next season, the 7-8-1 Browns. Then he got traded to the Giants and they went 4-12. So really... It's bad teams or unrecognized teams. And he's a solid guard. Listen, I wouldn't do this for anyone else, really, in the case of overreacting. And this isn't overreacting. This is saying he's a career snub. He's never going to the Pro Bowl as long as the Giants are really a subpar team or an average team. Or maybe even get to the playoffs at some point in his career. He's a career snub. And unfortunately, because he's not popular... Fans don't like to recognize him and say, okay, he's a solid guard. He deserves a Pro Bowl. And with Snacks Harrison, too, Snacks has always been stuffing running backs in the backfield. He ain't much of a pass rusher. But run stuffing, he does well in the NFL, especially with the last two, three years with the Giants. And he got traded for a fifth rounder. But that's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make is he is one of the best defensive interiors when it comes to run stuffing. Yeah, again, he's not a pass rusher. But PFF came out with a stat a year ago or two years ago. It said that Damon Snacks Harrison was like one of the best run stuffers in the NFL. And he had like something, 100-something stops or something like that. I would have to do my research again. But I remember seeing that. I can't recollect exactly what it was. But again, proving my point. If you're on a bad team and you play good, now you could make the case for Marcus Golden. Why wasn't he a pro bowler? He had 10 and a half sacks, made history. Okay, the Giants fans can make that argument personally. I don't think that Marcus Golden should have made the pro bowl. But that's their argument and their opinion, not mine. But if you're on a bad team and you're a good player, most likely, and it's not the Steelers, the Patriots, or someone else, you're going to get snuffed. And that's unfortunate. Because also you look at Landon Collins in 2018, wasn't the playmaker he was in 2017 and 2016, and didn't fit James Betcher's scheme in 2018, and didn't have an interception, I don't know if he even forced a fumble. Yes, he was one of the leaders in tackles, but again, no special playmaking, he didn't help that defense out really in any way, and he went to the Pro Bowl because he was popular the first two years before and that's the way the Pro Bowl works. The second issue I have is that the Pro Bowl is basically tag, or in this case, two-hand touch football. I get the fact that, you know, the NFL is evolving, treatments are evolving for CTE and all the concussions, and okay, I get that. But can you at least make it something fun where it's not two-hand touch and you can't even tackle? I mean... I get that the players have to resume mini camps and voluntary mini camps and training camps months later, but it's not like the MLB All-Star game where they have to worry about injury and they're in the middle of the season. So I think the NFL needs to do something because a lot of people 
are not watching the Pro Bowl, including me, the past couple of years because of this. Now, I'm not going to be a nitpicker, but everybody, or at least most people, have stopped watching the Pro Bowl. And that relates to two things. It's a popularity contest, it's bragging rights, it's two-hand touch football. And sometimes, most of the time, they snub players. Like Damon Stacks Harrison or Kevin Zeitler. Those are just two prime examples. Obviously, there are others out there that I'm not including, but you guys can include those too if you're trying to make an argument against somebody or trying to stick up for your opinion on why you don't watch the Pro Bowl. So that's what I have to say on the Pro Bowl mostly. It's a popularity contest. They snub a lot of players that are good on bad teams. And it's two-hand touch, and it's also bragging rights. So that's what I have to say on the Pro Bowl. So that's the end of podcast episode 23, done on June 23rd. I will be doing my Madden Simulation stream week 3 against the 49ers tomorrow night. On next Sunday, I will be doing my Bengals weekly stream. I decided to wait till Sunday because you know what? Sunday, football, whatever. And I decided to wait till Sunday. And that's the game, of course, against the Steelers where I'm 3-0 and they are 0-3. Thank you guys for the international support and the support in the United States. We're growing because of you guys, subscribers, views, Twitter followers, Instagram followers. And I definitely will have my big announcement probably tomorrow or the next day. And I will update you guys and keep you guys always updated on Twitter. Thank you guys for the support and have a good night.